0: I remember when I was 18 years old and I was a younger Christian and I was living for two months at a house in Northern California with some friends and I met a very, very, very old woman. And in fact, this woman was so old and this may sound rude, but she was past her years of being useful. That sounds rude and I don't mean it too, but do you know what I mean? What I mean was that this woman was the great-grandmother that lived in this house. She had been flown in from Cuba. And in fact, all these years that I knew her, the only name I knew her by was Yoda. And I'm actually not kidding because I think that her son-in-law, this dorky American guy, named her Yoda, and she's being from Cuba. She didn't know what it meant, so she just kind of went by it, right? But not only that, she was about this tall, so Yoda kind of fit, And she spoke broken Spanish, so you couldn't understand her. So Yoda really fit. And I just remember watching her and thinking, how is that woman so happy in her life? I would be bored to tears. I say this because for the two months that I visited her and this family, she never really did anything. And when you're 18 years old and you're in this life, you're thinking, what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to make money? How am I going to make an awesome contribution to society? How am I going to get stuff that I want? This is before cell phones, so obviously I didn't want stuff. It was like 1996. But maybe I wanted something really cool, right? Like a Walkman. That's probably what I wanted. Maybe a CD Walkman. I call it a Discman. That's cool. So anyway, I wanted all this stuff. I wanted a cool career. I wanted to go to college. I wanted people to like me. I wanted this someday husband, this someday house, this someday life, and fit in there somewhere in this American dream, the Lord. I wanted also a wonderful, robust spiritual life. And I remember watching Yoda all the time and thinking, oh, man, boring. I feel bad for this old lady. They don't let her out of the house because she can't really navigate public transportation like the BART. She tries to cook, but she makes messes. And so they cook around her. She starts fires. She, I once visibly watched her try to plant a little flower. She made more mess. Basically Yoda's life consisted of puttering. And yet every night I would see her, I'd walk past her room on my way to the bathroom And I'd see her reading her Spanish Bible with complete contentment. And my mind was blown. And at first I didn't get it. The first month I was like, boring life. I feel bad for this old lady. Boring. And by the second month, all I could think of was, God, please let that be the story of my life. I remember thinking at one point it clicked and I thought, God, how do I get from point A being 18 year old and kind of neurotic and hyper to point B, being a woman that is content to read my Bible and hang with you, not have any stuff, not have any accolades, not have any contribution to society other than be a creature of your creation. How do I get there? I started asking that question at 18 years old because I was presented with it by watching Yoda's life. And I was actually kind of scared that I wouldn't make it. And so I started saying this prayer and every once in a while I still say it, God, help me get from A to B. And if I'm talking A to B and I'm 42 now, I still mean, how do I get from who I am now to content woman in the Lord? And isn't that the question we're all kind of asking in some way or another? No matter what career we're trying to do, if you're here tonight and you're in this church and you're at this spiritual place, you must believe for some reason that there's something more. There's a plan B. We know that it can't be all plan A because plan A is obnoxious. And if you have swallowed the American dream, you're going to become exhausted. For me, what the American dream looked like was very much a ladder, right? It looks kind of like this. Um, and I just lived a typical life, so I kind of grew up believing it, and it was like, graduate high school, that would be your first big accolade. Yay! You know, then maybe for me, honestly, because my parents pushed me and because I was the only second person ever in my family to graduate high school, now there's this expectation of college. Yay! Then there's an expectation of a job. Yay! Maybe someday, Honestly, because I grew up in a traditional Mexican-American home, there was a lot of pressure. You better get married. Knock that one off my list. Yay! Maybe have some kids. Yay! Retire and die. Yay, right? That was the American dream my parents instilled in me. My society instilled in me. Commercials definitely instilled in me. The corporate ladder, that is going to make me happy. And watching Yoda upset this completely because I learned that no matter how far you go up the totem pole, you're going to end up elderly. You may end up alone. You may end up broke. And it doesn't seem very much fun to just go up a ladder for a ladder's sake, right? So one time I was reading in my Bible and it was one of those moments where I didn't expect to find anything. Oops, I admitted it. (laughs) I don't know if you ever do that, kind of read your Bible out of necessity, but then wonder, maybe you'll get something out of it. And I stumbled across a verse that was very much like an Indiana Jones type of movie situation. You know how when you watch Indiana Jones or National Treasure, a mere mic stand is just a mic stand, but really when, you know, Nicolas Cage is up here, it has like superpowers. Or has anybody ever done an escape room? Today, I didn't really conquer my first escape room. I did an escape room. We didn't make it, but it was amazing. And I say all that because even in the Bible, when you look at a verse, not everything is what it seems to be, right? When you look in the Bible, something can be very black and white. And then a different time in your life, you look at it and it's like the whole thing has shifted. That's kind of what happened in this Bible verse. I was looking at it, had all the beads down, had my kaleidoscope, and the Holy Spirit just turned the kaleidoscope a bit, and all of a sudden I went, you knew the whole formula from getting to A to B in the Bible, and you took this long to tell me, God? Well, I'll share it with you to to save you some time. Here we go. Now you don't have to waste your time. (laughs) How do I get from point A to point B by Leonor Ortega Till? All right, and the reason we want to do this, guys, is because another mind-blown situation. Do you know what God's ultimate goal is for you? Not the corporate ladder. Not talking about that. His goal is for us to be mature men and women in relationship with him. His goal. His goal is for us to grow and mature into relationship with him. I mean, I have two kids, and I love them. But would I have signed up for that deal if they were going to be kids forever? No, just no. Because our hope is expectations is that we give them more to do, and they grow. We give them more responsibility, and they grow. They mature. Their brains grow. Their aptitudes grow. Their ability to be trusted and responsible grows. And that is God's hope for each of you. He doesn't even if you think you're super mature right now. No offense. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. There's more growth. He still wants to go on a date. He's going to leave you at home alone, right? Or he's going to leave people in your care. So the goal of the Christian walk is to become mature adult children in relationship with God. So how do we get there from A to B? All right, so here comes the verse, and it's hidden. It's hidden. It's tucked away. Do you remember the story of Mary losing Jesus? It's one of those stories that you hear sometimes and it's not a big story You're not going to see it in calligraphy at hobby lobby. You're not going to see it on a mug. You're not going to hear it quoted It's not out there It's not one of these ones that we preach all the time because it's kind of embarrassing for mary But think about it. Her son at this point. Jesus is around 12. There's a few reasons. She should trust him number one. He's god All right. He's god. He's shown himself to be trustworthy, right? Maybe she trusts him a little bit. Also, number two, where was she when she was just a couple years older than him? Having him. So, obviously, she probably thinks, well, at 12, I could do a lot. So, she's probably trusting him. He's probably in the village. He's doing his thing. All of a sudden, the village people get together, the car- caravan, group of people, a bunch of animals, a bunch of relatives. <gasps> Where's Jesus? He's been left. But the right thing for Jesus to do was not what Mary assumed the right thing for Jesus to do was. That makes sense? He doesn't have to do what she wants. He has to do what he knows he has to do. So she does find him. And then tucked away in Luke, we find this tiny section of verses. Luke 2, 51 and 52. And this is the section that I'm telling you is a lot like a clue like a puzzle, like a national treasurer piece. You have to unlock it. 51. He, Jesus, went to them, to Nazareth, and obeyed them. But his mother kept all these words in her heart. And verse 52, which is the one, Jesus grew strong in mind, in body. He grew in favor with God and in favor with man. So let's look at this. Let's unpack this a bit because this is the kind of verse that you would read it and then say, moving on, that was cool, I'm happy for Jesus. Basically, when you read a Reader's Digest or a Women's Health or a Men's Health magazine, they're always coming up with the latest top 50 awesome scientific discoveries. Okay, guys, they're not big, no brainer, amazing things, they're already there. You're going to read in Reader's Digest that the new trend is to eat kale. Jesus took care of his body. You're going to read that to be happy in your old age, you need friends. Well, it's there. I'm sorry to say, Reader's Digest, I'm not shocked. It's there. But let's unpack each of these. Okay, so number one, Jesus grew strong in his mind. I kind of picked a couple of verses to go with each of these sections, because I didn't want to bombard you with Scripture, but I could spend a lot more time, and if Mike Sayers was still here, I would have gone a lot longer. It's just you could go a long time. So when you get your notes and when you think about it, or write this on your phone, how many verses can you think of that deal with the mind? The growth of the mind. This is one we always come to, and I love it. Romans 12:2. this is Paul talking and it's deep. This is meat. This is meat. This is not baby food. This is steak. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not buy into the American dream, the corporate ladder. Do not buy into that idea, that way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Let's stop there. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Basically, there's a presupposition that you are going to swallow and believe your societal dream. It may not be the American dream. For some societies, women do not get an education. Women are told that, I've even heard this said, they receive the blessing of the Lord by how many babies they make. By how good of a wife they are. By whether or not they become a wife. Men men in certain societies are only measured by how much of a breadwinner they can be They're not even encouraged to be amazing in tuned fathers Just be a man Don't cry Stiffen up that lip get it done, right? So do not be conformed to this world whatever Wherever whenever I've been watching a lot of shows with time travel. Sorry whenever you find yourself there will be societal norms. And the trick as a follower of Christ is to not swallow all of it. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I remember when I was in college, I knew going to Metro. And I was kind of older. I was one of those adult students. You know, ooh, 27, getting my degree. Awesome. Kind of pregnant going to school. I felt that was really cool. Cool. But I remember that I was in sociology. So when you go to Metro or when you go to any secular college, one of the first things you're going to find on your first day of class when you get your syllabus and you meet your teacher, you're going to find out who they are really angry at. Who hurt your teacher? Who hurt your professor? Was it men? Was it capitalism? Was it the man? You know, especially going to sociology. And it's not that I mind it. I wanted to learn this stuff. But I was getting really distraught because I was working and growing and coming to scum of the earth and helping them and thinking, how am I going to pass the test when I know that 90% of the things they are telling me to remember and write down as truth is not what I believe. So what I did is I had a notebook and I wrote on the top, what you have to do to pass the test, to play the game. And then on the other side, what does the Bible say? And as I would go through my class, I would make sure I had my notes, right, for the test. But then later, I needed to discern. See, our minds are a sift, and we should not let everything in. We may have to learn it and hear it, but it doesn't mean we absorb it and chew on it and treat it as truth, right? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind— that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, at Scum of the Earth, we do not like the word perfect. Let's just be honest. That feels kind of bristly with me. I don't like the word perfect. I don't like to think of, you know, overly manicured eyebrows. No offense to that style. I just can't do it, you know. Uh, Perfect. Does that sound good to you? Maybe in the context of god, it does sound good A lot of people are always asking. This is the question, right? You hear this a lot in spiritual circles What does god want from my life? What does god want to do with me? You feel like your life is a manual of a choose your own adventure, right? And especially when you're dating it's like oh my gosh good better or best which page do I go down? Honestly, we get so stressed about discerning the will of God that we forget that the transformation of our mind is part of this process. If we want to discern what God's will is for us, one, we need to relax. Two, we need to trust him. But three, we need to recognize that one of the ways we understand what God wants for us is by not comparing and contrasting our story to the world's norms. If we did that, scum of the earth would not exist. If we did that, I would not be married because the guy that I married had 200 bucks and a blockbuster card. That was a lot. That's all I was going on, but he loved the Lord, right? That's what I was looking at. Can't look at the world's standards. So we hear that Jesus grew strong in mind Think about your mind. Think about the areas you are growing in your mind. Some of you are in college now, but a lot of you aren't in college right now. Maybe you're in a field of expertise. Maybe the way you're growing in your mind is by learning new skills and mechanics, new tricks on an instrument, new ways to beat your opponent at risk or magic or D&D. Honestly, that's growing your mind. This is the stuff that God is talking about. Maybe it's going deeper theologically. Maybe you haven't studied the Old Testament as much as you would have liked. Maybe you haven't studied the prophets as much as you would have liked. Use your brain to grow your soul. I'm learning a lot about theology right now. I'm in a a two-and-a-half-year ordination process, and i got to tell you, some of the things that I'm reading are making my brain hurt because these are things that have been tried and tested by me for decades, and now I'm going, someone thinks different theologically? Ouch. I need to think about that one. And it actually kind of feels like a brain freeze. I know for my mom, using a smartphone is that exact same pain. You know, she's scared. Guys, pray for her. She can do it. She's got to step into this new society. She's not even that old. My point is, it physically hurts to use our brains, algebra, but do it. Do it because Jesus did it. Do it because it's good for you. Learn new languages. Master new skills. Master new crafts. Take that challenge. Try that thing. Hang out with people of new cultures. That will stretch your brain. Hang out with people who disagree with you theologically. That will stretch your brain. Read books that you don't agree with. Listen to Bad Religion. Honestly, by listening to bad religion and by coming up, by hearing arguments that I had never heard before, it helped me inform what I do believe. All of this to say that one of the ways that Jesus grew was by focusing and intentionally growing his brain. And there's a lot of different excuses we get for this, guys. Time. We don't have time. Have you heard of podcasts? Podcasts. Podcasts can be fun. Is it any fun to listen to a theological podcast more than watching every episode of The Office for the third time? No, I like The Office better. But my brain is getting flaccid, I will be honest. All right, the second clue to a life of maturity, the second clue to becoming strong adults with the Lord. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. This is the verse I'm going to use on that. But again, there's so many verses about the body. Or do you not know that your body, your physical body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. Let me just stop there. I grew up Pentecostal. Anybody else? That's okay. I did. And for me, moving our body was a way to express our love for the Lord. Hallelujah. It was something I learned. Moving, that's why I still raise my hands. I might kneel. I physically cannot. Please don't try to restrain me. Presbyterian church. I've gone to some Presbyterian churches and I freak them out. I don't care. But our body is where God chose, for whatever reason, for his Holy Spirit to reside in our body. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's a lot of ways to look at this. But first of all, let me just say our bodies are the most high maintenance thing about us. We have to keep feeding them. And mine gets hungry all day long. And mine has particular tastes. I don't know about yours. Mine likes tacos and margaritas if you want to hang sometime. Sure. Our bodies are constantly messing with us. We're too hot. We're too cold. We're too tired. We're too fatigued. Some people are too pent up sexually to focus. Let's just be honest. Our bodies are constantly on the back and the front of our minds. We like to make a lot of excuses to why we can't work spiritually because of our bodies. Maybe if God made me different then I could use my skills and my body for the Lord. But right now, I'm just going to be a big fat distraction and expense. Want wah! Not only that, but our bodies are a curse to us. Because for whatever reason, they keep aging. And this morning, I was at a church with, I don't know, average age, probably 65. So the people in their 80s and 90s are rolling their eyes at me when I got to this part. And I'm saying, you know, at 40, my body feels a little tired and people just started laughing out loud. And I'm like, I know guys, I know you are in pain at 80 and 90 years old. A lot of people at that church, you hear the oxygen machines when I take a pause and I'm not trying to be rude. That is the reality of life, right? Not only that, sometimes our bodies have broken perspectives. I remember a couple years back, there was nothing wrong with my life. I had cool friends, cool husband, cool kids. Okay. You know, living situation, working at scum of the earth. And all of a sudden I woke up one day and found that my perspective was broken. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't get happy. I couldn't cry. I was just like numb. Did that for about two years. And then I was like, maybe I should call my doctor. They have a quiz you can take. Oh yeah. By the way, you got 17 out of 20. You are clinically depressed. Something in my receptors, something in my dopamine world, something was off. Tigger had become Eeyore, and I'm meant to be Tigger. If you know me, you know that. I was not stoked to be an Eeyore. I want to say there's a stigma in the Christian world. That's something that affected me for two years. I was like, no, I don't need medicine. God made me this way. He made me this way for a reason. He's going to get the glory when I get healed. Through medicine, after I let down my pride, and that's what I did. Medicine. Medicine was helpful to me. Um, Might be helpful to you. I just want to put that out there, that part of our bodies and glorifying God with our bodies is being honest with our physical, emotional, spiritual, and sexual self. We are all of that. Part of being healthy in our bodies is not catering too much to one area and not catering to the other. Some people can become fanatics. In Colorado, you've seen this. There's negative 20-degree weather and people are running. That is fanatic. (laughs) People putting kale sprinkles on their kale. That is fanatic. We don't have to be obsessed. Our body is a temple, but it should not be an idol, right? Finding that balance. Finding that balance and using God to help us know how to glorify him with our body so that everything we do, whether we eat or drink, we do it to the glory of the Lord in moderation, right? What does it mean for you to rededicate your body to the Lord? Think right now, if you rededicated your own physical body to the Lord, is there something you would do different? I didn't do this this morning because this church would never go for it, but I'm going to do it now. Would anybody share? This this is a brave one. If there's anybody who would share how they would differently attune their body for the Lord, would anybody share anything about that? Yeah. Okay. How about a couple words? Yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Me too. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And I want to say that I want to thank this. Can we give a round of applause to him? I'm going to, I'm going to stop you now because I'm going to give a round of applause to you. I want to thank you for speaking up because that was brave of you. What it is for me, I think, as far as nobody else wanted to share anybody else about their body. I will say for me, I think what I want to learn is Getting from point A to point B is recognizing that I want to be healthy for my children and for my grandchildren and for my spouse and for my community, not just for me. Being healthy is being healthy for society, right? Because if we're healthy for society, we can all work together. And we don't take from each other if we're all healthy. And I want to give a round of applause also to people in the medical field. Would you do that, please? Is there anybody that works here in the medical field? I just say that because, thank the Lord, people know how to care for others in the medical field, because I would just faint on on sight of blood. That would not be me. But I'm very grateful that there are people that are going to care for us in that area. Now, the third section that Jesus grew in, mind, body, he grew in favor with God. And this is going to take a little bit of you not yelling at me, because you want to say, Duh leonor he's part of the trinity. He doesn't have to work as hard as us. Yeah, I get it. Okay, but Even though jesus was part of the trinity He was separate just like we're told in marriage to become one Let me tell you two do not become one when it comes to what you're going to eat that night Or what movie you're going to watch on netflix, right? There's not always one brain so i'm just saying that because Jesus needed to grow in favor with God and so do we. What does that look like to grow in favor with God? What does it look like for each of us to take time to invest in our spiritual relationships one-on-one with the Lord? Philippians 2.12, this is Paul speaking to the Philippians church. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, I think he's being snarky there, really snarky. It's like, As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. That's kind of like a parent when they're getting ready to go out for the night and they're like, you kids have always been so good. And I know you're not going to do anything wrong when we're gone. He's kind of setting it up like that. Like, don't be bad. I'm kind of giving you accolades you haven't earned yet. Okay. So here goes Paul. Not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is one of those sections that I love scum of the earth for in every way. Thank the Lord that there is scum of the earth where people can truly work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Because I'll tell you, doubt is part of the process. Disbelief is part of the Christian's life. Anger Lamentations, Psalm 88 moments of there is no hope, there is no God, there is no plan for me, is part of the Christian experience. Being planted so deep that it takes Larry Landis saying, you are not dead, come up, you are going to bloom, is part of the Christian process. Faith is fluid. Fluid. Waking up one day and for no reason other than you don't believe what you used to believe at all is part of the process. Marrying someone or dating someone who doesn't believe the same as you and accidentally falling in love is part of the Christian experience. Having parents that for whatever reason used to be hippies and now are staunch bigots becomes part of a lot of our process. I don't know why. Are we going to jump ship when it gets hard? Or are we going to stay the course from A to B? Are we content to not become emancipated from the God of our youth? But are we going to dig in our heels when it becomes dark, when it becomes rough, when it becomes painful, when it becomes a lot of conversations theologically that are going on in circles, but your heart is not convinced? Are we going to stay in it? Because it's easy when you're a newlywed and you have everything you want, but it's hard when you have a miscarriage. Or it's easy when you're 20 years old and you're this Christian missionary and all of a sudden you get the call while you're on the field that your younger brother has passed away. That happened to me. Things look one way and then all of a sudden, bam, in your face, they could be another way. And for some of us, it's going to be a long process, And for other things, it's going to look like a light switch going off. There was a season in my life, and I told you I was Pentecostal, and I hope you don't think I'm weird, but there was a season where I really felt that God spoke to me, talked to me, communed with me, was strong in the spirit with me. Every verse was oozing with meaning, right? And Faith Beckley and I got together one time, and she's like, does God ever talk to you? And I remember telling her, I was like, me? No, he used to, but, um, I'm good now. I'm just running on. I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm on cruise control. I pushed cruise control in my spiritual life and I was in my thirties then. And I remember thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm on cruise control. I'm just gonna slide on in to point B into heaven, right? My life is good. I kid you not. It was days after saying that, that I realized I was running on fumes. I was not on cruise control. Things were bad. It was like that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where they're having fun and they're doing flips and life is good and you look up and the fan is there and you're about to get your head chopped off, right? And you know what it was? I'll put a word to it. I had become a Pharisee. Scum of the earth had become my identity and we were kicking butt in the name of the Lord. I had become a Pharisee. And thank the Lord that he flipped the switch on that and said, figure it all out again. I'm not going to allow you to own me like that. You're going to have to rework, right? So, finding favor with God is part of the fear and trembling, working out your salvation. It's a process. Faith is fluid. We're meant to grow. If we are meant to become adult, functioning men and women, children, adult children, we're expected to grow. We're going to be given more responsibility. Just like we give our kids, just like your parents gave you. We're going to be given more people to care for, more things to care for. We might even be tested. And that is part of the maturing process. We're not going to get our way, but will we stay close to the Lord when this happens? I don't know what happened to Yoda when she was older, living in Cuba. I don't even know her real name, I'm going to be honest. Love that woman. But her prescription from getting to point A to point B was reading her Bible, her Spanish Bible. And in it, she found glory. She found wisdom. She found purpose. And that's got to be part of our prescription. Continuing to dig in with others is the other part. So next slide. The last clue is that Jesus grew in favor with men and with others. This is the one we don't like. We don't like this. You know why? Two reasons. Either you're like me and you love confrontation, which makes everybody scared of you and not want to hang around with you. Or number two, you don't like confrontation and so you write everybody out of your life. Both can happen. Both can be true. And it's really hard in church to stick with people that have hurt you, to stick with people that have disappointed you, to stick with people that have not behaved the way you think they should behave. Sometimes they don't empathize with you. Or if you have any friends like I have in my life, they're such drama queens. They're more upset when something bad happens than you are. I'm the one that's supposed to be upset. Calm down. Let me feel my feelings, please. But Jesus needed others, and we all do. We all do. The fact that God came to earth as a baby, fully dependent on others, says something about him. He came as a baby, completely dependent Thank goodness they make him cute, right? We won't let him die. Then he had to grow in relationship with his mother, with his siblings, with his community, with his peer groups. And that's exactly what happens for us. And little by little by little, one day we wake up and we notice that a mirror has been put in front of our faces that says, This is who you are. Now that is why I put that verse up there. First Corinthians 15:33. do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Because if you're looking and hanging with jerks all day long, who have swallowed the American dream, who've swallowed the lie of the ladder, who think the ABC and D is all that is meant for your life. And you're not stacking up and you go one day to look in the mirror of who you are and they're showing you a reflection. You are going to be disappointed with your own life. But if you're hanging out with men and women that see spiritual growth as part of a beautiful person, if you're hanging out with men and women that see tithing, giving of your finances as something sexy and gorgeous, you're going to be really impressed when you look in the mirror. If you hang out with men and women that say Sunday morning, Sunday night, going to church is the most attractive thing you can do. You can say, man, I look good. It matters what kinds of people you give authority to inform you of who you are. Because they'll tell you, how you who you are. And it's also not good to have people kissing your butt all the time. Because when people treat you like you deserve to be on a pedestal, you start to act like you deserve to be on a pedestal. And I know nothing about that. <laughs> Yay, that's not helpful. Okay, you get the point. The point is that we need people to inform us of who we are. I have known Orange Bill for over 20 years. He could call me randomly in 20 years and I will remind him of who he is. I don't have to physically see him to know who he is at his core. I don't need to physically see Michael in 10 years to remind him of who he is. Sometimes I see some of my friends and it's been 20 years and I have to look past the baldness. And then I go, oh, yeah, you're in there. You're the same dude I used to hang with. We're the same. If you ever went to Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, I don't think, does this. But in Girl Scouts, they sing this song. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, but the other old. Gold. (laughs) They're old and gold. Point being. Point being. Your long-term friends are very important. They are more precious than gold. Do you know why? As someone who lost her brother when I was 24, he was 20, it's so painful and so difficult and so obnoxious to have to think of a memory that only he was there at and say, did it really happen? Did we really do that? Did we used to buy extra Chinese food so we could throw it on the wall and make art? Did we really do that? Did we do all these crazy things when we were kids? Keep your old school friends. Even if they've made you mad, do not write them off. Because they are the physical testimony to who you are. And there will come a day when you may lose faith, when you may lose identity, Or may you just might need to shake somebody and say, remind me of who I am. Remind me of what I've done. Remind me that we really did make scum of the earth. You might have to say that. Remind me of, did we really buy that crazy building when we had no money? Did we really walk all night long for I don't know how many miles and walk through the gay pride parade? And one of our parishioners was was in the parade and physically thought her whole church had come to get her out of the gay pride parade when we were on a walk, a prayer walk that really happened. I'm telling you, anyone who was there, that really happened. And I have a thousand stories that really happened. Miracles. I can tell you miracles that happened in this building and in other buildings and in other people's lives that really happened because I am here today to tell you. So don't lose me. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, good. It's far too easy to want to strike people from our lives. You know, there was one time when I was leading a small group with a really good friend of mine And I'll admit, I'm not the best listener. In fact, I'm such a bad listener that six months into leading a small group as a co-partner with this young woman, six months in, I noticed she hadn't talked to me in six months. Six months, guys. That's really dense. I also noticed that though I was a co-partner in this Bible study, I had been teaching it every time. So I called her up and she said, basically, you don't listen to me. I'm writing you out of my life. But we fought it out. And I'm, I'm telling you that because as a person who is dense, if there's somebody right now, you've written out of your life and you're convinced they won't change, give them another chance. Let them have the opportunity to surprise you. I have to learn. I have to grow. I have to shut up. I have to be a good listener, but I'm so grateful she did because she's Long-term in my life, right? We get to stay in each other's lives. So in a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. And when we do, there will also be a time for worship. During this time, you have the opportunity to go and take communion. But when you come back to your seat, I would ask you to do this. Think about your mind, your mental life. Think about your body, your physical life. Think about your relationship with God. God your quiet times, your doubts, your struggles, your spiritual life, and think about those people, those men and women in your life that you do life with. I want you to reflect, and in each area, would you honestly talk to God about how you can grow, how you can go to the next level, how you can mature to the next level? Maybe you're trying to skip a step and it's not going to work. We need to be balanced, and we need to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling. At Scum of the Earth, we participate in communion. You will have stations, and there will be bread, and you can dip it into the wine. And if you are a Christian follower of Christ, we definitely want you to come and do this. Please come and do this. Come and celebrate with us. Um, but also if you're not yet a christian, but you just want someone to pray for you in that moment And in that time you can put your hands together like this like a cross And come on up and you would know that the people that are standing there are saying a prayer for you And i'll be paying attention and just saying a prayer for you Also, if you would like any special prayer, I will be at the prayer cave Um that room back there and you can come and pray with me But take some time in this next worship time if we could have the people with um Offering or with a uh, communion come up and please pray with me God, we know that you are not done with us. We are not at B. Our body's grown, our spirit's grown, our relationships struggle, and we really don't have enough time with you in the day that we want with just you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you find a way to speak to every man, woman, and child in this room today, that your Holy Spirit would speak into our lives so that we, we would be mature, so that we would know a new way to enter into relationship with you. Thank you, Father God, for the example set in your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, more importantly, for his sacrifice on the cross, so that we may be able to come to you directly, Lord Jesus, so that we may be bodies with the active Holy Spirit living in us. And give us things to do, God, with these bodies, with this time, with this energy, now, today, while you can still be found by us, God, we love you. Amen.